the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. I'm back. The time 6.05 on the Monday edition of Lifeline, and we are talking about the great, uh, magnanimous, ubiquitous, all-pervasive idol of uh, uh, Internet porn, fornication, and adultery at the highest levels of the church and running everywhere rampant in the pew. Um, this becomes a problem both inside the church as well as outside. Now, at any time in church history where the church has given itself over to compromise in certain cultural areas, here's the sentiment. Well, everybody's doing it. Now, when once you kind of have that kind of basic tacit approval, now we have a church in captivity. That is almost 80% of your Old Testament Bible with Israel falling prey to idolatry and fornication and adultery against Jehovah for which he sent them into captivity. And I say to you, the vast majority of the church today in the world is in captivity. And I'm going to read to you before our time is up tonight uh, a, 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 a startling statistic about the condition of America, the America in which you and I live your ears are going to burn as to what really America looks like. And, and this is going to be over against in contradistinction to what you and I see on TV about this beautiful country and beautiful land and beautiful. But behind the scenes or rather in that in that parallel world of the in, unseen dimension of spiritual things, what God sees is a whole nation that is diseased. That is corrupted. That is cancerous. That is sick, including church people. And see, again, if we don't bring this to the light, like was the work of the priest in the Old Testament, his job was to make sure that the body politic of Israel was healthy. Because as we're going to learn on Wednesday, salvation is about being healthy. And when we're not healthy, our salvation is in question, is it not? So now let me share with you a man that really impacted me because one of the things I learned, as I told you in the, before the break, was that early in my ministry, I saw this crossroads where I could go down the path of simply entertaining people with the preaching of the word and probably acquire a lot of money because men are into it for money. And that's one of the rewards of tickling people's ears and giving them what they want versus giving them what they need which is the mark of a true shepherd, even though it may cost you. I saw that there were men who were callous enough in their heart to be able to talk about loving their wives publicly and yet living double lives privately, sleeping with men, sleeping with women. And I saw that <clears throat> because God didn't open up the earth and swallow them up or the congregation that aided and abetted them because you got a lot of that going on that it is wholly set in the hearts of men to do evil. In other words, when God allows you to do evil, you continue doing evil. 
you continue. It doesn't just automatically stop. So I, as a young man, started looking for older men who were more than just good speakers. That's superficial. Somewhere along the line in my early days, six or seven years into pastoring, I come to discover that character actually mattered with God. It was the gold of ministry. The gold of ministry is character, not performance, not even outcome, not even impact. We are superficial in our world, and and particularly in the church, when we get caught up in numbers. God doesn't smile at numbers. I'm sorry, he doesn't. He already knows the number. See, see, when you already know the number from eternity, every one of God's chosen people who will come to Christ from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue from the beginning of time to the end of time, you don't get excited about the process because you know those that are yours. The rest of that is, is, is prevarication and, and subterfuge and, and distraction on the part of people who get excited about folk who come to the altar and how many decisions we get for Jesus. When, like God said in this minor prophet, they're coming to church, but they're not coming to me. And largely it's because the preacher is stopping them from coming to Christ by stopping them at the altar. For when you do not preach the true gospel and make Christ to be who he really is in the word of God, sovereign in his salvation, and people are under the assumption that if they just go through some little incantation, they're saved, you have stopped them from glory. But one man that I really did benefit from about 10 years ago, maybe even more, 20 was Mr. John Piper. Now, you might know that name. He has faded into the woodwork now because he's retired fundamentally from preaching, but he still does a lot of work and commentary around the culture and the world. But his ministry became quite significant to most of us 20 years ago who who love rich, biblical, robust uh, uh, theology from the Reformation era, which we believe is true theology and no other and John Piper came along and he pressed home the necessity of a sound Christocentric theology with a radical love for God. It was called Christian hedonism. A lot of men got bent out of shape over John using, employing that tactic. But what John knew is that psychologically men are called to be committed to something at the level of hedonistic drive and passion. And what greater object to be hedonistically in love with than God. And he, he, he worked that at length to show men and women that we have really no right to be driveling and, and dribbling and, 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 and infatuated with and overcome by anything but the glory of God. It, 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 it enraptured me. I said, here's a man who's crying and passionately calling men and women. He'd do youth ministry with thousands of kids and say, you're wasting your life. If you're not selling yourself out wholeheartedly to this man called Christ, who is also God for some of the frivolous things of this world. Well, there were two areas in which I watched that man's character. After I watched his preaching, I said, okay, he's doing fine. Good, good, good. I want to know now what really lies at the heartbeat of this individual in terms of character. Because you see, a good name, a good name is far, 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 far better to be had according to Ecclesiastes. Good name, a good name with heaven and a good name with good men. 
Well, here is what John said out of some of the is almost uh, again inimitable uh, attributes that he possesses uniquely of himself. He has an article that he has written called "A Letter to a Would Be Adulterer." And I want you to mark this, you guys. Listen to how John Piper talks. He dealt with this for years, and then he also dealt with adultery, and and, and not adultery, but he also dealt with what I would call um, the issue of of, uh, discrimination. And he lives in Minnesota. So for him to address the issue of racism in Minnesota meant he was bold. And and, and racism has also been another thing that men have cowarded on because the church collapsed in that area too, as you know. But listen to this. I'm going to read part of it now and then part of it through the break. Then I'll take phone calls. This is an individual who who helped me understand the radical necessity of moral purity in the matter of marriage and in the matter of ministry. If you want to close your eyes at night in peace and not have a hardened heart in a letter to a would be adulterer, Piper said he has never been attracted to another woman romantically and has never desired sexual relationships with another woman. Will you pastors hear what he just said? He said he has never been attracted to another woman romantically and has never desired sexual relations with another woman. The only woman he has been sexually attracted to for the past five decades is Noel, his wife of 48 years. The 71-year-old author and founder of DesiringGod.org clarified that he is neither disinterested in sex. At 71, John, you go, boy. I hope I'm, 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 I'm right there with you, although I'm, I don't know how many years behind you. He, has, he says he is neither disinterested in sex, nor does he have deficient hormones. In fact, he said he has enjoyed a life of sexual intimacy with his wife. That is, he says, I think as intense as any can reasonably hope for. Woo! Gives us some hope when we hit 71. Because you got to do some things and make sure everything's working between now and then. Anyhow, he says he noted that he is not immune to temptation. See, now let's tell the truth now. He says, I get tempted like everyone does. Stating that he is not designed for what we call beach evangelism. I can park it right there. Beach evangelism. You know how you run to the beach and you like to watch those girls running around in bikinis with their tail out, the TTs out. Uh, and John said, uh, I don't do beach evangelism well. John, neither do I. I, I don't do. Be- I, my eyes look and I see what I see. And I got to go to work at that point because I'm going to be all jacked up. I'm with you, John. He says, my eyes are as magnetized toward excessive female skin as most men's. The Bethlehem College Seminary Chancellor wrote. But there are parameters he puts in place to make sure his eyes don't wander. Y'all hear that? Wandering eyes. I'm going to give you a principle right here. And I teach all young men that Solomon said it. Better is the wandering of the eye than the wandering of the desire of the heart. So you should be able to, if you walk right, see a beautiful woman, but don't wander after her in your heart. Can I get an amen? Now, but if that's true, then you don't have a problem with porn. You don't have a problem with internet innuendos. You don't have a problem with getting stuck if you will, uh, on the female extremities when they are uh, inadvertently put into your your way because your heart is right. 
You know how to ob- you know how to objectively remain uncommitted to any kind of lingering desire with that woman uh, mentally, emotionally, and, and physiologically. He says, I have zero tolerance for nudity in films. Will y'all hear that? I'm giving you some keys. I have zero tolerance for nudity in films or even suggestiveness, which rules out almost all of them. One reason among many is that that any sexual charged image lodges itself in my mind, John says, with regrettable effects. Do you see how John is admitting truth while abhorring the impact of it? Offering counsel to husbands, Piper shared some of the ways in which he was able to get to a place of desiring no other woman but his wife. Woo! How do you get to a place of desiring no other woman but your wife? Firstly, ask God to take away any desire for any woman other than your wife. There you go, fellas. For Piper, he considered it a pure gift of God that he has never found another woman sexually attractive. Did you hear what he just stated? He wrestled with God in prayer, knowing what he was by nature, asking God for help to keep him shut up to one woman. Secondly, if you do that, fellas, you you won't have any kind of pull or inclination towards porn. Now, if I had time, I would have to say this to the women. You have a job in assisting your husband in that exclusivity. Secondly, feel how revolting and disgusting adultery truly is. John says you got to feel it. You got to feel what adultery is in its revolting, disgusting after effect. It's not just about believing adultery is morally wrong, but actually feeling sickened by it. The influential author stress. You see what John did? And this again is where he was many years ago telling the believing family, the church of God, stop being merely cerebral in the propositions of biblical truth. Let it impact the totality of your being. Let truth impact your emotions. Let it impact your senses. Let it impact your volition. Let it drive your whole being so that holiness actually takes place on the inside by the spirit of God. Yeah. See, now we're talking about transformational grace that is really unknown to a lot of professing Christians. He's talking about let he said, here's what he said. Let the light and reality of the nasty taste, the nauseating taste of infidelity and cheating on your spouse come to you before you go to it. That's good. He said. Ever since he fell in love with Noel in 1966, I was six years old. Piper said the very thought of touching another woman sexually became disgusting and sickening. What unholiness. You see, you wonder why God uses some men, how he uses them. I've told younger men this. The only way you can be sure that God will use you you broadly is that you go deeply with God. Do not play games with God. This may sound weird, he says, I have not talked about it with many people, he wrote, but I have said to myself often with amazement, the thought of having sex with any other woman beside Noel feels as nauseating to me as the prospect of having sex with a man. Go, John. He said, God worked a miracle to make adulterous touching, not just morally wrong, but physically revolting. That is one of the greatest works of divine grace I have ever experienced. See what that does? It keeps a man able to fight other battles 
when he has an exclusivity to his wife. I'm going to take a break. I'm overdue. When I come back, I'm going to continue on the Monday edition. I got two lines open. Y'all want to talk? one 367 5329 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. We are back. I'm going to finish up the article um, from John Piper on the matter of um, sexual purity in his own mind, in his own walk with his wife of 48 years. And I hope that it's being profitable for you young men out there who wonder whether or not you can maintain that kind of integrity. And I'm here to say you can. You do need mentors. You do need models. You do, you do need people who are living and capable of and have navigated the very difficult walk of exclusivity with their spouse. You do need that. You absolutely need that because you won't see much of it in your Bible. It's very clear that in our Bibles, what we have are, are, are people of grace who have fallen to teach us some other things. But when we're talking about standing against a culture that is just so massively given to the things that we are talking about today, you really do need the confidence of models that have been given grace to overcome. Let me go on. He says in uh, his, his, his commentary to young men, he says, this may sound weird. I've not talked about it with many people, but I have said to myself often with amazement, the thought of having sex with another woman beside Noel feels as nauseating to me as the prospect of having sex with a man. This shows you how really jacked up our culture is, does it not? I'm going to talk about that when we turn the half hour, 635, 640, because we are way too tolerant a perversion in our culture, way, 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 way too tolerant. And you know why? We're in darkness as to really what's going on. I'm going to share with you the statistics, and maybe that'll help you. He said, Piper believes his aversion to adultery likely came from, now watch this, parents. Parents, this is for you, how you should continue to teach your kids biblical truth that sets parameters and boundaries, both in their relationships socially, in their mind, psychologically and emotionally, and in their hearts volitionally. We need to teach them soundly what it means to walk in a manner that honors God's word. He says, that he believes his aversion to adultery likely came from having grown up with the Bible, that is, in his home, specifically its clear condemnation of lust and adultery and the threat of suffering in hell. See, he grew up under a mother and a father, and his father was an evangelist that really pressed home biblical truth in the uh, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Obviously, he was in his, uh, he born in the 40s. Uh, that brought home that the wages of sin is death. That brought home that no adulterer, no fornicator will have their part in the kingdom of heaven. This, the Bible lays out prohibitions. You guys know them. And it, and it runs these prohibitions all the way into the book of Revelation. Fornicators and idolaters and harlots and whoremongers will have their part in the lake of fire. That, that's, a good, that's a good boundary setter, don't you think? You're going to go to hell for a little sex. You're going to go to hell for a little pleasure. To hell. To hell. Thirdly, the theologian advised his husbands not to trade permanent pleasures for temporary trices. See, this is where you have to really be taught 
the treasures of Christ and the glories of God and the tangible impact of grace in your heart as an armor against the subtle lies of the devil that tells you if you bow down to him, he'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Early on, Piper felt a sense that there is something stupendously wonderful and joyful to be experienced beyond the sensuous pleasure of the body. Early on, Piper felt a sense that there is something stupendously wonderful and joyful to be experienced beyond the sensuous pleasures of the body. Did you get that? You mean, John Piper, there's more to life's enjoyment than an orgasm. You really mean that? As for his desire for real pleasure in God, it grew stronger. His physical revulsion towards sexual sin also grew in proportion. Here's what John said. Life in Christ, a profound commitment to the Father through the Son, by the Holy Ghost, through the biblical scripture, will increase your passion towards God and decrease your passion to elicit unlawful pleasures. They're mutually exclusive. I get it. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's going to be one of our summer studies in the beauty of holiness. There's a beauty to holiness when you see God's glory and it impacts your life. This is what the psalmist said. It says something like, beautify us with your holiness. And that's not the case for the church today. You guys know that. He goes on to say, to him, it was a choice between brief physical sensations or something much more substantial, lasting, and satisfying. In other words, sexual immorality cuts off the wings that lifts us toward the highest, richest, most durable joys. I hear him now stretching his arms out over the pulpit, crying out to his people. To see God as the most wonderful, glorious, splendid, satisfying thing in the universe. I don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Probably not. All right. Maybe it's just me. All right. I'm going to take another break here in a second. And then when I come back, I'll, I'll uh, three lines open. one 367 If you want to actually chime with me now, we're going to be kind of doing some conversation. If I can get some calls, um, one 367 Let me read a Bible verse before I go to break. I want you to think about this one. This is Solomon. Now, Solomon knew something about perversion. He said, don't go there. But here's what he says. He says, I have applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom and the reason of things and to know the wickedness of folly, even the foolishness of madness. I find more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets and her hands as bands. Whosoever pleaseth God shall escape from her, but the sinner shall be taken by her. Now, the woman here is a metaphor for the whole of the Babylonian system you and I live in. Solomon learned that when he wasn't pleasing God by making God first and making God all, 700 wives, 300 concubines turned him into a, a slave of perverse lust, which led to his downfall and the downfall of the kingdom, which is a paradigm that works itself out patternistically everywhere, does it not? Men rise up to prominence and power and control and become so lofty 
until a woman just comes along or a man in the case of, you know, Blake, uh, and just collapse, just fall. And all that they worked for and built long, Eddie Long, just collapse and falls. And this is repeated over and 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 over again. And believe me, when you fall, you never fully recover. It's not possible. It's just not possible. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? This is for you older parents as well as younger ones. This is about your kids. This is about your grandkids, great grandkids. This is about the church, the glory of God. Are you listening to me? Let me read another verse and I'm going to go to the phone line, talk to a few people before I give you the horrible real condition of what's going on in America. Solomon again says in chapter seven of Proverbs concerning the harlot who takes the simpleton, which in our context, paradoxically, are almost always the powerful men. They're simple. He says with her mouth, she uses much fair speech and causes him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. Proverbs 7.21. He goes after her straightway as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool goes to the correction of the stocks till a dart strikes through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare and does not know that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her path. For she has cast down many wounded. Notice what it says. Cast down many wounded. Not only wounded them, but caught the ones that are wounded. See, here is where the problem comes in. When you're wounded and you don't acknowledge your womb, you become vulnerable to predatorial entities. That will take you down another path to give you a false healing. False healing. Not true forgiveness, not true grace, not true mercy, not true has said. False has said by Satan himself and his emissaries. For she has cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers thereof. See, that's what John grew up under, and and quite frankly, that's what I grew up under. That's the kind of preaching I grew up under. (laughs) So I got married early, 19, 20 years old at the most, because I didn't want to actually go to hell at the behest of the harlot. And parents, you will do your sons and your daughters well to give them and paint them the broad brush stroke of biblical truth concerning the uh, unfaithful harlot and the unfaithful servant and the, and the woman who breaks covenant and the man who breaks covenant, how that such a person is in danger of hell. You will do your grandkids great service. Line number two, let me talk with James from the Bay. Line number two. James, are you there? <laughs> yeah, I'm here, man. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. You, you, you all right? You all right? You all right, brother? No, I'm just, you know what? I'm laughing. I'm, I'm, laughing. I'm laughing and I'm crying at the same okay, time. Okay, okay, okay. I'm laughing because I'm not, I'm not scared, even though you see seen the just about everybody else away. So I'm laughing because of what you said. Okay. And what you've been saying 
I'm laughing, but I'm also crying yeah. because what you're talking about is just true on every level. Yeah, yeah. it's just true on every level, and, yeah. and and I'm and I'm just and, I, and I'm just grateful because I've never, you know, followed John Piper. But one of the reasons, I mean, I just know in all my heart that one of the reasons why we're in a situation why the world, well, this is let's, let's leave the world out of it. Why the church is in a situation like this? Is because of the absence of teaching such as this. I agree. This has to be. This has to be lesson one. Yep. Lesson two. Yep. Lesson three. On through lesson fifty-two. Yep. And then from lesson one, from the first week of the year, go in depth throughout the week before you can go to two. Because we can't go anywhere without this and honoring please God. There's just no way around it. I mean. People have to know that what's going on in the world and what is desired of God is distinctively and mutually exclusive from each other. There's no place for it inside. But it's crept in, and people can get mad if they want to, but we're trying to make glory. We're trying to to make it to glory and then glorify God. This is what we need. This is the qualifications for biblical instruction, for, for leadership. This is what we have to have. And in the absence of this, this is why our churches look like how they look. I agree. I fully agree with you. And I know that you are a peer of mine age-wise, and therefore you know... Uh, you know, you know how our culture was 30, 40 years ago, and it was bad then, but it's even worse now. So that I'm completely sympathetic to your brief affirmation of the need for the kind of severely um, rich um central sanctifying distinction between what the way of holiness is in a sound gospel sense and the way of a perverse, corrupt culture that has so permeated the church that there's no distinction between the beauty of holiness and the false grace doctrine that dominates most people's lives that have no power whatsoever. As Paul said in Second Timothy 3, around verse 7 or so, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. There's no real radical transformative grace bringing them up out of the culture and making them to be distinctly marked out as God's elect who are able to then identify, affirm, call it what it is, Condemn it in its in themselves first and then condemn it in the world and seek and sue for grace for us to be able to walk humbly with the Lord our God over against a perverse and wicked society that we have today. So the world doesn't hate us enough because we don't hate sin enough. Um, I mean, well said. I mean, we, we, we've gotten in, we, excuse my Vanessa, we've gotten in bed with sin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Our, our, our leaders in church are not even biblically qualified. Not at all. I mean, we're ch- shouting over sin and folks in leadership that have, and I'm not saying for a minute, because I'm not saying for a minute we're not to forgive, because we have to forgive. That was one of the Sunday school lessons sure. on forgiveness. We have to forgive. But at the same time, forgiveness is it's not just something that you talk about. You have to 
there's a process. I don't know what that what that time process is. I do. I, I know what it is. I've been teaching it for several months now, and it'll be back on the radio shortly because, James, I've been dealing with false forgiveness, unbiblical forgiveness over against what God does. Uh, forgiveness is not just saying I'm sorry and letting people go. That's not how that works. Uh, and where forgiveness does not have a tangible, transformative healing uh, evidence in the life of the offended parties, i.e. from God to the violating party and the violating party back to God, as Psalm 32 puts it, where there is not a radical, transformative healing component in the forgiveness transaction. It's just Catholicism, where people sin and then they go back and they, they do penance, pray to nodders, Hail Marys, and take the Eucharist and, and all that, and then go right back out to do it again. It's non-transformative. It's a false forgiveness that goes on. And when a pastor simply says, just forgive, they are being unbiblical because forgiveness is at the heart of the nature and character of the atonement, which requires confession, which requires a a sincere heart, which requires a very clear and obvious change from a particular direction that you're going in. And all that requires God's grace. And where that's not happening, then we are trotting underfoot the precious blood of the son of God in the name of forgive me. And let me just keep on rolling like I've been rolling. And, and and that is a problem because I, you become. I mean, I see it all around, but I'm not accepting of it. Right, but, but you see it. But you see it, and there becomes a time where I was reading in uh, in one of the books that I had. If you're going to stand for Christ, be willing to stand alone. That's because right. A lot of times, you may be, you know, you may be the only one there. Which I get. What I, I, I'm beginning to to get what Paul felt. And what the Lord Jesus felt sometimes, because, I mean, he had a core around him, but he was going counterculture. Nobody wanted to hear this, even in the ones who were following him. 100%. They, they didn't they, that they didn't want to hear. Not 100%. This is true for Paul. This is what I meant by armoring up. 100%. They could hardly stand uh, to even uh, uh, to draw out the implications of the kind of hostility that was coming after their master because he was standing for the righteousness of his father's glory. And so the same thing with the Apostle Paul, which he told Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier because this stuff is designed to penetrate every social relationship. That's why Christ said, James, and I'm I'm going to let you go. That's why Christ says, if you're going to be my disciple, you got to be ready to give up your mama and your daddy and your brother and your sister and your husband and your wife and your children. For my sake, if you're going going to really walk with me, because there's no guarantee that they're going to walk with Christ. He said, this is not about me saving whole families and whole communities all at one time. This is not an HMO thing. It, this is not, you don't get in and then your kids automatically get in. You don't get in and your husband automatically get in. They've got to believe this gospel for themselves. And if they don't, they're going to rend you when once you do. That's the nature of it. But see, that kind of Christianity does not exist in a prevalent way today. James, thank you for the call. Let me go to line number four and talk with Sally. Sally, are you there? Line number four. Sally, are you there? I'm right here. Sir. How are you? Yes. Um, while early on, before they announced who the Supreme Court uh, nominee was going to be, uh, you were talking about exalting the Lord and I was having a very interesting Bible study while you were talking on exalting the Lord. So mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. out your concordances, people, and look at it, because Satan exalts himself. Yes. 
But God exalts his son and his spirit and his creation. And um, when um, our pastor was doing Psalm 84, a roadmap for life's journey, and in there you mentioned God's shield. And uh, he mentioned that there were four kinds of shields. And I think probably in Ephesians 6, isn't it talking about the all-encompassing, the biggest shield? Of course. Because God is faithful. Yes, he is. And and if God is faithful, he wants to teach us his faithfulness. And it, it includes every part of life. It includes our tongues and our ears and our eyes and our bodies. And I can say that it's a wonderful thing to be abstinent until you get married. Yeah. And have a husband who has been abstinent until he was married, and to have a mother that was a very earthy kind of Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who made me very relaxed about going to my husband for the first time. Wow. And wow. we're going on sixty-four years. See, and 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 you know what? I, I'm glad you called. So I'll need one brother to call, um, or one younger person to call, because I love the representation. I ask for older people. I want younger people because it can be done. Um, and look how your parents played a role in preparing you for a biblical model of relationship. And and Sally, the tacit kind of attitude today is that it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. It can be done. But God definitely is calling parents to prepare their kids for the virtue of knowing God at the level of waiting for something that is far more important relative to that one small aspect of our human makeup, and that's our sexuality. Very important component, don't get me wrong, very important component, but it actually is sublimated by a call to a spiritual mindedness, a call to a higher view of God and a higher view of our humanity, namely a moral ethical uh, framework that's built upon spiritual principles that says life is best when we do it God's way. We all need a spiritual heart transplant so that God gives his faithfulness to us. We cannot do it on our own. Nope. Thank you. I got to take a break. Dave, I'll get you when I come back. one 367 If you want to chime in, got one line open, two lines open. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back. Approximately one-third of the entire population of the United States, 110 million people, currently have a sexually transmitted disease, according to the Center for uh, Disease Control and Prevention. One-third. Every single year, there are 20 million new STD cases in America. 20 million. America has the highest STD infection rate in the entire industrialized world. Americans in the 15 to 24-year-old bracket, 15 to 24-year-old bracket, account for 50% of all new STD cases, 15 to 24. It costs our nation approximately $16 billion a year to treat our sexually transmitted disease, $16 billion. According to one survey, 24% of all U.S. teens that have STDs say they still have unprotected sex, 24%. In Chicago, public school kindergarten teachers are now required to set aside 30 minutes a month for sex education. The United States has the highest teen pregnancy rate in the entire industrialized world. 
According to a study conducted by the Center for Disease Control Prevention, approximately two-thirds of all Americans in the 15 to 24-year age bracket, watch this, have engaged in oral sex. Number 10, at this point, one out of every 14 girls in the U.S. has at least one sexually transmitted disease. One out of every four. Teen girls in the U.S. has one sexually transmitted disease. According to the nation's National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, there are, watch this, 747,408 registered sex offenders in the United States. Three quarters of a million. There are 106,216 registered sex offenders in the state of California alone. 18% of all women in the United States say they have been raped at some point in their lives. More than 50% of all rapes takes place within one mile of the home. Teens that are in the 16 to 19 year old bracket are three and a half times more likely than the general population to be the victim of rape attempted rape or sexual assault. I could go on and on and on and on. And what is the point of these statistics to let you know that really what's going on in America is a war from hell against the souls of men, including our own children. And are you going to just keep silent? Line number three, Dave, 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 are you there? Line number three. Hey, Pastor Jesse, how's it going? Good, good. What's going on? I got about one minute with you. Yeah, well, you basically took my thunder, but what I was going to say is war, war, and more war is yeah. is what this battle requires. I mean, you know, it's, it's something I personally battled myself. Yeah. And, you know, the only the only way to win is war. Every day yeah. is war against the flesh, against your your inner being to yeah. your inner desires because right. without that, um, you, you won't overcome. Yeah. And, 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 and another thing I wanted to say before I know you got to go is idleness. Being idled will always give the chance, the devil a chance to get at you. You know, if you're busy and you're doing things, uh, the less chance you have to get in front of a screen and, and, and look at stuff and do things that you're supposed to not supposed to do exactly uh, but when you're idle and and you're not praying or you're not you know reading your word that's when he really comes to attack you without a doubt without a doubt you you, you got your phone on yeah all right thank you dave i'm gonna gonna drop you but i'm gonna affirm what you said before i go to kelvin um the problem with Americans in many cases, and this goes so deep into the sociological constructs, it goes deep into the um, ethnocentric constructs, it goes deep into the fact that um, we are not raising kids with purpose. We are not living with purpose. We're not driven to make the most of every day. If you and I were living as missional believers, you'd easily overcome the temptation of the adversary to speak into your ear or eye gate uh, with these proffers that really have nothing to do with the glory of God. Like David said, if you wake up daily with a mission to actually serve God, you'd have a harder time uh, than, than, than most slipping into the, uh, the, 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 the workshop of the adversary called uh, the, uh, the, the world of idols. 
idleness, rather. Idleness is the devil's workshop, as they say. And that's only so because we have denied the mandate that God has called to, called, called us to, and that is to preach the gospel to every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. Let me go to line number four and talk with Kelvin. Kelvin, are you there? I'm here, Pastor Jesse. How are you, man? Um, one of the things I see is, I'm blessed, man. I'm blessed. Good to see you. At you too. The, uh, you too. At the pastors, at the pastors, at the pastors. Uh, what was that? In November. Yeah, a long uh, time. The first time I got to see you, but yeah. So, so listen. One of the things I, I see is that the church. We just there's no word in the church. Yep. There's no word. I'm not going to say all, but a lot of people are just ignorant of what God says. And it reminds me in the Old Testament where it says that the people did it in their own eyes. Yeah. Everybody is just thinking by some means, I can do what I want. Don't tell me how to dress. Yeah. Don't tell me what I can do. And it's like God saying, okay, if you don't honor me and my word, then you are left up to your own devices. And so you see the sexual pornography and you see the relationship and people living together and there's no shame anymore. Nope, nope. People are wearing what they want to wear and people are doing. And it's just because we've gotten so far away from the word. Yeah. Pastors are trying to, as you said, increase numbers and, and uh, keep members yeah. versus yeah. Uh, make disciples. So yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with we've just so straight so far from the word. I agree. Uh, I agree. You and know, as you, pastors don't want to preach, and members don't want to hear. And I, I, I don't even want to blame the members. I think it's the pastors. And, and it, well, it's a combination of both. As your Bible plainly says it, you know it. Hosea chapter four six. Huh? Okay. Hello? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hello. Did we lose you? Um. Hello. Yeah, I think we lost him. Hello. Yep. Anyhow, pot him down. Sorry, Kevin. We lost you. Maybe call, call again. I am going to affirm you in one verse, and then I'm going to kind of talk us out, talk us through this. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected me and my word, I will reject them and their children. America is certainly in that state. I say that with a broken heart. I say it with a sad heart. Kelvin affirms it. And every pastor that's really trying to do the work of God affirms that. Um, that's why they get out of the pastorate to the tune of 15000 every year. They just leave. It's too hard. Um, if you and I are dealing with goats in our churches and we're trying to make them sheep, well, you're doing an impossible thing. You can't make them sheep. But the other reality is, I'm going to say this. I want you to get this. To have a healthy congregation, you have to know how to shape. It's a work of shaping, a work of shaping. This is a, uh, a term used in athletics on how you build football players or build baseball players are built athletes. You have to know how to shape them. And it's painful work. It's incremental. It, it, it has to be paced out over decades. That's where we are at Grace. So I'm very intentional about the topics I deal with. Our foundation is always the gospel because the power is in the gospel. It's not in human effort. But what the gospel will do is shape you into the image of Christ. If you're called and you're committed. Now, yes, Pastor Kelvin, it requires a pastor committed to the long, arduous work of shaping him first, his own family, and then the community by the help of the Spirit of God, by the approval of Christ, by the resourceful empowerment of the Father to take men and women who are lost and transform them for real. And then to fulfill what the Scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
The mind has to change. The heart has to change. The life has to change. The thought has to change. The volition has to change. And then the ways will change and we will become soldiers for Christ. Until next then, until next time, the Lord richly bless you. The Lord calls his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you. The Lord give you his peace. Amen. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.